Hello, I am Jason. And I'm Jeremy, and today we're talking about multi-arm bandits. So, Jeremy, what are multi-arm bandits? It's a great name, isn't it? It's something like a sort of aliens meet spaghetti western territory, I feel. Um, and, and data science doesn't have enough really uh, cool names um, in, in the techniques and, uh, and, and the areas that, that make up data science, I feel. So, so yeah, multi-arm bandits are, are, are this wonderful description of, you can think of it in many ways, gambling machines or uh, decision robots. So in the, in the gambling context, they're just literally a box in front of you and you've got lots of levers that you can pull. And you pull a lever and you maybe get some reward. Maybe some cash falls out the bottom of the box or maybe, or maybe it doesn't. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And the key here is you just don't know. You don't know which levers are going to give you success and which levers are maybe less likely to give you success. So you've got this idea that some levers in this model will, with a high probability, will give you a reward, and then some levers maybe only give you a reward uh, with much lower probability, or maybe they never give you a reward. Maybe they're, they're really, really broken levers completely. You can think of it in those terms. In so that's that where the one-hour bandit as a phrase refers to a slot machine. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So one arm bandit then is where you just got the one lever and your only option is to pull that lever or not pull that lever. And so you and can... then we've lined up multiple right. options. It's much more complicated now. So and... I've gone into the casino and I'm the first person there. Where am I going to start? I have all these slot machines to choose from. Yeah, that's it. I've got all these slot machines and then I've got this particularly complicated slot machine, potentially, which has not just one arm, but many arms. Lots of buttons and lots of arms, and I could, I, could, I could pull any of them. But I know nothing about it. When I start playing, I literally have no idea what I'm playing and what will give me reward. I'm playing like a madman. I'm just randomly pulling levers, just like I did when I was three, <laughs> basically. We're in Vegas after all those free cocktails. Right. Optimistically playing something that I'm, 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 I know very little about, which is a very bad way of gambling. So don't do that. Go in with lots of knowledge, I would suggest. Yeah. The next issue is why is this a useful model at all? Where do they crop up then all in data? Yeah, data for example, like where is this sitting in the field of data science? I believe it's along the lines of reinforcement learning. That's right, yeah. So it's, it's a model where you start off knowing nothing, but as you start crazily pulling these levers, you start to learn stuff about the, about the, the inner workings of this box. Uh, you start to learn about maybe some of the leaders are much more successful and give you more reward um, than, than others. So once you learn about that, you reinforce your opinion, you reinforce your understanding and, and the, uh, of the probabilities behind, behind these levers. And then that allows you to exploit it, right? Exactly. So I want to pull the lever that has the highest reward and maximize my winnings. Yeah, that's the whole, the whole point is, is not to go in drunkenly playing this thing. The whole point is to go in and, and actually come away having broken the bank, I guess. Having, yeah. having, having maxed out and, and got lots of, uh, lots of reward from this somehow. And you refer to it as exploitation versus exploration? Yeah, so th this is the process of, of going through this learning journey with this, this multi-armed bandit, with this box, is, uh, is, is one of exploring. And then once you've learnt something, 
then exploiting that learning. So you, you explore which levers start to give you some success. You don't necessarily, I think it's quite important, and I think this, this crops up a lot in data science, you don't necessarily know everything about the box at any one point. You just have a good idea or you have an increasingly certain picture uh, of, of how this thing might be working, but it still might. And then once you start to build up that picture, then you can start to exploit it. So it's quite complex in that you can be learning and exploiting at the same time. You, you don't have to sort of go through a, um, I'm just going to go through this learning process very, you know, uh, to start with, and then, and, then I'm, and then I'm going to properly exploit it at that point. Because maybe you don't have that, that kind of luxury. You, you've literally presented with this, this thing. And um, you, you only have a limited amount of time maybe to play it. Yeah, this reminds me of last week I wanted to make dinner and I'm walking home. I have a choice of shops, but I specifically wanted to make spaghetti meatballs. And I know that one of the shops had vegetarian meatballs. Mm. and That's what I wanted for my guest. But I don't know if they're in stock. And being veganuary, <laughs> it's less likely that they <laughs> are in stock. So in this situation, I'm thinking, do I take the risk of going into every shop, but then my reward is less because I'm cutting into my time of cooking, preparation, and getting home. And I also have to carry the items. So if I go to the first shop, I have to carry them for longer. Yeah. So all these things balance in my head as my reward, essentially. Mm. So that's what I'm trying to optimize. This is how I was thinking of it from... I can explore by going to all the neighborhood shops and then pick the best price or the closest one. And that trade-off comes in here. So it's great to think that this is how we can model something and take that model to any given example that applies to anybody in various data science scenarios. I think that's really important. I think you've hit on it. So this is where it becomes more than just a slightly quirky sort of Las Vegas type thing. And it becomes actually something quite real for for, for people uh, and for, for data scientists in particular who are working with uncertain uncertain knowledge and more importantly they're working with decisions and they've got lots of decisions that can be taken around a particular operation or around a particular part of what they're trying to investigate for their company and they don't know what decisions are the right decisions to take so your decision to which shop to go into uh, to, to buy to buy the the right type of meatballs is, is, is a classic. Uh, a case in point, you've got this contrast or this trade-off between exploiting uh, what you know uh, because you've been there before and you like you, you know it works okay, yeah. uh, versus exploring something that might be better. Again, your example works really well because there's a cost to exploring further. It's maybe a bit further. It's maybe a bit cold and a bit wet, and you're yeah. getting a bit tired. And um, it may not be a monetary cost, but there might be a there might be a personal cost, a, a, an energy cost, almost of that extra distance. But there might be a good win because it might be the best meatballs you've ever had. Right. Uh, so yeah. so you, you you get you get that possibility. Of maybe there's something better around the corner, which is sort of a gambler's dilemma almost. Yeah. And on that personal example, um, we have an introduction to an interview that you conducted. Yeah, so I was really lucky to meet Kira Pike-Burke at the University of Lancaster a couple of weeks ago now, and she gave us a talk on multi-armed bandits and uh, what she's been doing with them to sort of make them a bit more intelligent or make data scientists' way of exploiting them a bit more intelligent. 
So Kira's from, I should say, Kira's from the, the Universitat of uh, Pompeo Fabra, I hope I've got that right, uh, in Barcelona. Uh, she's a postdoc there. Okay, we're at the uh, University of uh, Lancaster, and I'm talking to uh, Kira Pike-Burke, um, who uh, has just given us a, a fantastic presentation on uh, multi-armed bandits with history-dependent uh, rewards. So I, I think I, the thing I really liked about the, the uh, talk that you gave, Kira, was the um, uh, was initially anyway the, the motivating example. Do you want to do you want to sort of give us a yeah sure. So in the classical multi-arm bandit problem, you assume that the reward of each arm is stationary. Right. And so when we use this in something like product recommendation, this assumption can lead to really weird behaviour. So for example, consider we're a company and we're recommending furniture. So someone goes onto your, our website, they buy a sofa. And then what we want to happen is we want to be suggested other things that might be relevant to their living room, such as a lamp, a coffee table or something. But what often happens is we end up suggesting a whole load of other sofas. And this is because when we use bandit algorithms, each item is an arm. And so the algorithm will learn that sofas are good, that the customer likes sofas, and so it will just keep on suggesting them. And so we've done some work on trying to get rid of that and make our algorithms more adaptive to the user's behavior in terms of not wanting to see another sofa until their sofa's broken or it's out of fashion or something. So the, the stationary aspect there is essentially that distribution that we talked about that, that's linked to the arm that you're pulling, is linked to the reward. When it's stationary, that, that distribution stays the same. Yeah. But, but, but in the world that you, you know, we want to be a bit more clever about, we, yeah. want, to, we want to have a, a distribution that changes to reflect the fact that you've just bought the sofa, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so suddenly you don't want another sofa 10 minutes later. Exactly. You want a lamp or a, a table or <laughs> yeah. something to go with the sofa, ideally. Mm -hmm. So that's the history bit, I guess. Yeah, it? so that's one example of a reward that depends on the history. Right. So in particular, we assume that it depends on how long it's been since you've last seen the product. So how long it's been since you've last bought a sofa or been suggested a sofa. And then can you pick up sort of periodicity? I mean, there'll be some products, I guess, yeah, where absolutely. I, I buy something every Monday or I go to um, Tenerife every, every July or something <laughs> like that. So. Yeah, so we use Gaussian processes, which are quite a flexible modeling tool, and that allows us to incorporate this periodicity if we want to and lots of other factors. It also allows for sort of different distributions of the rewards. So, for example, in Netflix or other streaming platforms, if you start watching a series, you want to keep watching that series, and so the reward will increase with as a function of the time since it's been. Mm. Whereas in if you watch a film, you don't really want to watch it again for a while. And so that's a different example and we can right. capture all of those for the moment. Brilliant. And then in, also in your talk you, you, you alluded to some some really interesting sort of developments in the field which sounded like they could be super relevant to certainly retail businesses, mm -hmm. so looking at integrating rewards for customers, so sort of loyalty schemes yeah. and, uh, and vouchers and coupons. Do you want to talk a bit about? Yeah, so we did some other work which intended to capture some model of loyalty and the rewards signal. So for instance, your reward could be a function of the number of times you've been to a particular restaurant or a particular coffee shop. And then possibly this increases, maybe there's like a sort of periodicity. So like every 10 coffees you buy, you get a free coffee and you need to model this in the bandit problem. So, um, and how do you see this developing? I mean, what are the, the algorithms like for giving you solutions or insight into these models? Um, are, they, are, they, are they computationally quite intensive or can they be executed quite quickly? So for the stuff we did with Gaussian processes, that is relatively efficient yes. if you just consider maximizing your instantaneous reward, which does actually do okay in practice. 
Um, as you get more data, your Gaussian process becomes a bit more difficult to fit, but it's still relatively feasible, and the other models are even quicker than that. So, okay, it's so, quite quick. So, the, the, there's real prospect for doing this as an online approach for, for uh, you know, as, yeah. as a customer's actually on the the website in the store, they might yeah. be able to. Yeah. So, for example, in the coupons model I was describing, you basically just need to maintain a average reward and some uncertainty bonus, and that's normally enough. Fantastic. Well, Kira, thank you so much for, for, for your time. We'll, um, we'll put a link to your website. So um, thank you again. Thanks. So what I really loved about Kira's example was that I was sitting through the presentation she was giving and I was thinking, this has happened to me. I was booking a room on Airbnb, I think it was, and I was really delighted to have got the dates, got the room, all booked, all sorted. And then the next three weeks, I was given adverts on websites, on uh, email, clients, whatever, uh, for exactly, not just, not just for a room in that part of North Wales I happened to have booked, but, but it was that exact guest house that I booked. The precise one was being flagged up as being the one I might be interested in in booking. Well, I'd already completed the booking, so that that was my sofa moment as far as I was concerned. Yeah, something I could go. Yeah, I really relate to that. I could tell I wasn't the only person in the room as well who'd um, had exactly that experience. Now you say it, I've had it with Aer Lingus. Yeah, I fly <laughs> back home to Dublin, right. and I'll do it often. But then I get targeted advertisements, but framed from the point of view of going on holidays to Ireland. And usually I don't think of it as a holiday so much as a trip back to see family and friends. Maybe there's an occasion, but their audience is not something I feel part of. Exactly. I think what she's brought out here is this, the naivety in the current approach that obviously has been implemented in some system, some websites, some operations. But, you know, nonetheless, it's a really powerful model, um, one where at some level it, it, it may be exactly, I think, what people people might uh, might need. I, I think maybe it might be helpful if we talked about how you go about... Yeah, I'd be these... very interested because let's say I'm one of the people working on this or I've been tasked with the effort to revisit the Airbnb case study or the Aer Lingus case study. Right. Um, what are the kind of approaches that I may consider to phrase the problem and maybe phrase a solution yeah. in um, some immediately rewarding sense? So I think we probably would start with the initial algorithms, the, the starter algorithms that you go to to get easy game, the, 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 almost the, the easy levers. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. might pull to get the uh, to, to to get to get a, a small win. Wait, and, we could set this yeah. <laughs> approach up as a multi arm bandit. Right, all the multi arm bandit levers to pull. Yeah, this is this just got mad. Okay, this this is this is now very yes. <laughs> let's, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so our our first lever, and, and these these early levers are probably ones which give us some reward, but they are also probably the ones that are culpable in terms of some of the examples that we were describing about giving inappropriate suggestions or getting an inappropriate idea of what customers want. Uh, the first approach is, I, I'm going to ask you, Jason, uh, you know, if you were just doing this without knowing anything about this problem, you hadn't looked at, uh, look, looked at this, what, what would you th- say might be an approach to doing uh, tackling to tackling this, you've got you've got yeah. five arms in front of you, or five possible decisions you could take. What 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 might you do? I want to try each one at least once. Right, right, exactly. And 
to be honest, you know nothing to start with, yeah. so you might as well try them in uh, at random. That's a technique right there. That's a strategy. So that that's and and it has a name, and it's called the epsilon greedy approach, and it, it's a little bit more sophisticated than just trying at random because. I mean, it, it's not bad, but it's a slow, a slow learning approach, basically. So what Epsilon Greedy says, initially you try it random, and then you start to focus on being a bit greedy about the ones that were giving you good reward. So, you know, they bought a sofa, I flashed up an ad for a sofa, they clicked through and they bought the sofa. I'm going to flash up another ad to them for, for a sofa. That is exactly what Epsilon Greedy does. It spots there's a pattern of reward that they've got, and it tries to exploit it almost too quickly, I think we've decided, um, given, given Kira's experience. But there's a slight subtlety here, which is that it doesn't just do that forever, because otherwise you never explore, you never do what you were after, which is having a look at other shops for, yeah. um, for, for, for better meatballs. And um, so, so, so the epsilon side of this is there's a small probability that you visit, visit one of your other decisions. You make another suggestion to a customer, maybe... And then just possibly that, that elicits an even better reward. And, and then suddenly your idea of what would be a good lever to pull has changed. And now you've got a new world where you've got a, a new best lever, a new best decision to take. And then you exploit that like crazy. And it's no longer sofas. It's now um, frying pans or something like that. Right. And with that greedy approach, I guess if we were setting up a target then maybe you don't need to explore the full range of options if one of them early on gives you a reward that means you're going to hit your target. You've received enough of a reward that you're happy. You don't need to be greedy. So maybe there's thresholds that can be set around these things. I'm I'm sure, I'm sure there are. Absolutely. I mean, if if you've got a a certain threshold that you need to cross and you cross it with, with having played it for a played this model, played this game, however you want to think of it, for a certain amount of time, then that might be it. You may, you may need to you stop at that point and, and, and not need to carry on. So we can see how we build up a picture of all of the possible things we want to consider when we're building an algorithm like this. Are there other algorithms that we might want to consider if we're not just being greedy? Yeah, so following on from your building up a picture analogy, I think that that's a really good way of thinking of it because... If you just exploit the one lever that seems to be giving you lots of reward, you exploit that decision mercilessly, you sacrifice what the exploration side, you sacrifice what you might have won by looking at some of the other levers. There are another, there's a, there are other strategies, of course, but one, one in particular is quite popular, it's called the upper confidence bound or UCB strategy, and that's one where you realise after a while you haven't explored some of the levers or you know very little or you've only pulled them a couple of times and so you haven't got a good statistical understanding of what reward you might be getting in the long run by, by playing this game. And you know, bear in mind these are distributions that we're playing with here. So you know, it might be quite a high chance of winning you were just unlucky, right? I mean, it is sort of gambling in this sense. You know, you, you, you were just unlucky. Maybe they were after a sofa. They just didn't happen to be ready to buy it on the Tuesday, but they did buy it on the Wednesday, and you didn't, you didn't so show them the advert on the Wednesday. And so you missed that opportunity. What the, the upper confidence bound one says is, okay, I am going to keep track of which decisions I haven't, show, uh, made, and I'm gonna, uh, and I'm gonna assume that I've got quite a good chance of, of getting a reward, 
where I haven't uh, made that decision or taken that decision recently. So if I've got little information about a decision, then it may be I may be a, a big reward hiding behind that, that 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 decision, and it's there to be exploited if if it is. So it, it's a sort of optimistic algorithm. It says I could. Uh, um, I could be I could be missing out on something big here, and I'm going to make sure I'm not uh, by reducing the uncertainty by making that decision enough times that I can be certain that either I have seen all the reward and it is good, or or I have seen all the reward and there really wasn't much to get, and therefore I'm not going to use it anymore. So that feels like quite an expensive algorithm, I suppose. And if you have to consider bounding things, how will it scale? Yeah, exactly. Especially if you've got, you know, it's fine if you've got five decisions, right, or five yes. products that you could offer. But if you've got, you know, in the airline case, if you've got maybe 150 routes that you could offer to somebody, that's a lot of exploring and a lot yeah. of um, a lot of uh, ad time you're going to have to buy. <laughs> yeah, and thinking of it from the distribution point of view, you really are trying to build up a picture of whether you've hit somewhere close to the mean or there's such a wide variance on any of these opportunities that you, you simply may never get towards what that lever can achieve in some cases. Yeah, exactly. So I think then we move on to slightly more sophisticated approaches and uh, I, I think it's worth people having a look at this themselves, but, but there are some approaches, there's one called Thompson sampling, for instance, where you try to pull the levers, you try to make decisions uh, proportionate to the amount of reward that you might get from them. And you, there's a nice strategy you can, you can exploit which doesn't over-test uh, some of these decisions uh, you know, and reduces, I guess, the number of, the number of times that you have to um, conduct this experiment uh, before, before you understand what the appropriate um, reward distribution um, is for, for behind a particular particular lever. So, you know, understandably it gets more, more sophisticated, but all of these have this underlying problem of what, what Kira described as sta- stationarity, of being stationary distributions. They are, it's, it's, you know, it's always a 30% chance that the, the red lever or the, will, will give you that reward. It never, pe- it never goes up to 80% or it never goes down to 10% or, or drops to zero. Um, and that's, I think, where, where Kira's work is just, just amazing, right? Because it, it recognises that there is this history that might be really important, this extra context. And I think, I think that's particularly powerful from a business perspective because when you're trying to do data science in the business, it's all, about, it's all about the context, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Cool. So I think what I'm going to do now is go to my sofa. I'm going to look at my flight options, get out to Vegas, book the best hotel and get into the (laughs) slot machines with my new strategy for how to optimize all the rewards and cover the cost of that whole trip. Yeah, yeah. And then I think you might find that you're being offered trips to Vegas many, many, many days after, many weeks after that. So uh, so you can exploit that as well. (laughs) Perfect. That's really interesting. Thanks very much, Jeremy. No problem. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for joining us today at the Data Cafe. You can share, subscribe or review online and please join us again next time.